This is PrimerCast episode 12, and today we will be talking about In the Mood for Love. This is a Cantonese film released in 2000, and it's directed by Wang Kar Wai, and it stars Tony Leung, and I don't hope I'm saying that right, Tony Leung and Maggie Chung. Is that correct, Hamza? I believe so. I'm, I don't know. Your <laughs> <laughs> guess is as mine at this point. I'm pretty sure it's Maggie Chung, but I'm not sure about Tony Leung. Uh, but I'm going to assume that is. But I'm not going to be referring to them by their names. I'll be referring to them by the characters' names, of course, right? Mr. Mm-hmm. Chow and Mrs. Chan. So, yeah. So what did you think about this, Hamza? Uh, oh, wow. Because you yeah, recommended it. Was- it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was definitely a beautiful film. Uh, just everything about it was just blows me away. Like how like meticulous and uh, detailed, you know, it's like, like skillfully crafted it was. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I yeah, and there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, not just not just a lot to unpack. It's not just the technique; it's uh, the story as well. You know, like oh yeah, definitely yeah, and the way it's like, filmed and everything, the story itself. It's a very simple story, yet it it's able to like reach so deep into like the human experience. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, the main reason for it is like it's just this exploration of pain of sorts. Is the way that's the way I see it. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's give us some way before we get too deep in. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's a, it's about these two couples uh, that move in in Hong Kong in two separate apartments to so their neighbors, and in one house you have Mr. Chow and in the other house Miss, Mrs. Chan, and then Mr. Chow's uh, wife is like busy, so she's like never home, and same with Mr. Ch- uh, Mrs. Chan's husband, he's out for business, and then eventually th- those two find out that their spouses are having an affair with, with each other, right? And they become somewhat friends, also somewhat like romantic partners. It's not like, it is clear, but like, it's like a kind of a gray area, like how their relationship is. Yeah. And just their story. And eventually they separate and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, they, uh, what do you say? It's also set in um, the 1960s in Hong Kong. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's also uh, yeah, so yeah, it has political undertones for sure. Yeah, the thing yeah. is that I was yeah coming to the political undertones because I think that's one of the first things that I sort of understood after I finished watching the movie because there's something you had to delve in. You had to just delve into the history of Hong Kong, and basically the, the way uh, it, it's shown is that 1962 was this time of uh, harmony. Yeah, because it was British. It was a British colony, right? Yeah, it was not under the yeah. control of mainland China. So as a result, it was a separate entity. You know, sort of like how um, Monaco is separate from France, like that. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's the same thing that goes on over here. But by the time the movie ends, uh, which is in 1966, mm-hmm. um, you see that there's a state of political turmoil that Hong Kong is sort of going through. You know, because the Chinese evolution and you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so uh, that's where the story sort of really ends. So it begins as so. With the way I see it, is a, is an exploration of pain, and it's this memory piece of sorts. You know, because okay, so the way it starts is that the first ten minutes they waste no time like explaining everything. Basically, Mrs. Chan and uh, Mr. Chow they come in to look for rooms. They end up being neighbors, and I think mm-hmm. the 
the first 10 minutes, it's just so claustrophobic, the way these people come in and they move things. Like people are being pushed to the edge of the frame, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, the way it's shot too on the same point, it's like, it's like the way it's shot, it's shot like a narrow setting and it's like close-ups. You have like people moving by the camera. It's not like the camera's like jammed into the hallway and there's like no room for it. So I think that definitely uh, adds to a claustrophobic sense yeah, and I also thought that at the same time, while being so closed in together, it made for like an intimate environment. But mm-hmm. also, the thing is that throughout the movie, it's sort of like we are observing them as characters, like how mm-hmm. they behave and the way they operate, what actions they choose to do, how they interact with others in their surroundings. All of that, it's just like sort of like we observe because we're seeing from mirrors, we're seeing from the back. Yeah, the yeah. Back. And uh, like you see through stuff rather than seeing a plane inside. Like you see through a, a window or through like the clothes or mirrors. Nothing's like directly shown. Yeah. And when they first directly show, it's usually the only times they directly show is when but the main characters are not uh, involved with anyone other than themselves. So when he's talking to like his landlord, uh, when Mr. Ch- Chow is talking to his boss at the company where he works right he's a uh-huh. journalist yeah so those scenes are all like filmed like pretty normally and you know there's this thing that it's open to everyone everyone can see what's going on but this is like we're sort of peering in like when we see them together we're sort of peering in and observing uh secretly and you know that's it's sort of like creates this sense of that they're being observed all the time and you know it could lead to gossip and things like that and that's the movie does sort of show that in like one scene where Mrs. Chan gets reprimanded saying that, oh, I see. I think um, her, the Mrs. Suen, right? Yeah, yeah. She talks to you shouldn't be going out this much stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, that's like the only scene, but you know, it just con- through using careful framing, I thought that, you know, the director, Wong Kar Wai, and the cinematographers, uh, Christopher Doyle, and uh, what's the other person's name? Christopher Doyle, Mark Lee Ping Bing. All right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so both of them. Um, yeah, the thing is that they only keep mentioning Christopher Doyle in like a lot of articles and analysis that I read of the movie. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is that this movie is like shot in bits and parts and, you know, sort of different ways. Yeah, on that bits and parts thing, I think uh, like the way this movie is shot, is, it's like a combination of small short stories and like moments. You have like the stairs, like the staircase scene and the hallway scene, and then the the reoccurring scenes of the alleyway in the rain, and those shots are by itself a very cinema, like cinematographic, like a very beautiful uh, like shot by itself. But it also tells a story by itself. When you combine it with the whole thing, it furthers the narrative story. Mm-hmm. And Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I exactly get what you're saying and uh, also in addition to that i thought the camera moments were very uh simplistic and you know minimalistic sort of mirroring the story because the story is contained between a couple of these characters and uh wong kar wai is so careful when he uses like uh whether to just cut or whether to like quickly pan the shot like the first time uh they sort of meet in like the restaurant right mm-hmm. and they're just drinking coffee i guess or tea and uh 
yeah, she basically tries to disclose the fact that her husband is having an affair and it might be with uh, Mr. Chow's wife. Yeah. That's the first time when they sort of pan. Uh, it's like a quick whip pan, you know? The, yeah, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the ones you see um, like in, in PTA's movies. You ever notice? Like, yeah. Bo- mm-hmm. Like Boogie Nights and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like that. And so when you see all those uh, whip pants, that's when you sort of feel a connection between the two characters for the mm-hmm. first time. Uh, in, the back, in the background, it's just there's no one there. It's just that they're alone. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Wong Kar Wai chooses to, like, cut between the two until she mentions the affair. So I thought that at that moment, it feels like they sort of have a connection of sorts. And it's like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're still not in the same, like, they're not still like thinking the same way yet, but you know, as soon as that's done, he just sort of like begins to use the camera to really tell the viewers that how their relationship is slowly developing over the course of that one meal. And then, you know, he keeps doing it like really well over the course of the movie. Yeah. On, on that same point, I think the way the, like, the romance between the two main characters is like, is like shown, it's not through like monologues or like, you know, like confessions or like, like facial expressions or through the acting itself, it's more done through like the visuals and the camera work that you point out. Also the colors off the sets itself. You mean like the reds and the- Yeah, the reds and the yellows and the greens with like gilt and then the blues and the different tint like tints of the camera the setting. Definitely. And you know, after they're done meeting they sort of start to wonder like how this all began, right? Like that's what uh, she says. That's what uh, Mrs. Chan says to Mr. Chow, like as they walk down the street. Mm-hmm. So, and then all of a sudden, like, it's like, then he says that, you know, should, should we stay, shall we stay tonight? Like stay a little longer. And then she and then all of a sudden you think that they're going to start an affair too, because their spouses are having an affair. But then, you know, uh-huh. it, cha- it goes another direction when she just moves away and says, you know, like, my husband would never say that. So, like, I think that's the moment, like, you start, you f- that's the first instance you sort of see them, like, uh, what, you know, many describe as uh, play acting. So, I mean, I'm obviously saying a lot of things that many people identified before, but, like, in, in the sense of the, in the context, like, this is the first instance you see. And then this sort of slowly develops over the course of the movie. And I think the best one is when they, you know, they sort of buy dishes for each other, like at the restaurant. Again. Oh, yeah. What the like, spouses would buy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way, like, it's so, he's so careful. Like, he doesn't want to give anything away through dialogue. So he just uses the visuals uh, to, you know, um, as, with as much capability as possible. Like, when he puts the sauce, like a dab of sauce on the plate, uh-huh. like, and that's like a spicy sauce. So, you know, that way they're having a conversation and, you know, through the context of visuals, he just uses dialogue as supplements. Yeah, dialogue isn't really the main driving force in this movie. It's more like the visuals for sure. Yeah, I was going to say something I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, okay. Uh, I'll say something and then maybe you might jog your mind. Okay. All right. So oh, what, yeah, I was going to say, but yeah, the, I think like the how each of them like take place of another spouse like their like relationship is not like of a it is romantic to some extent but i think it's just like a placeholder for them not receiving from the like actual spouse i feel like they there's this feeling of 
when so when your when your spouse is having an affair, mm-hmm. I think there's this feeling of you know, um, am I not good enough or am I not wanted enough? And that sort of feeling appears like, am am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing by staying? And you sort of like have all these doubts and and this feeling of suspicion that creeps upon you as a person. So yeah. putting uh, these two characters who are exactly in the same situation, I think they sort of feel that you know. uh what whether they should stay in the relationship or whether they should leave because it's not it's never clear whether they leave like the husband they're like if mr chan sorry if mrs chan leaves her husband or mr chow leaves his wife but you just sort of see the two i mean you never even see their spouses really it's yeah you see the, the back of the body at the back of the head you don't see the whole body yeah and this kind of becomes noticeable like it's sort of like around like 50 minutes in There's uh-huh. a, there's that scene where uh she is uh confronting him, right? Oh, so the Mrs. role play thing with the yeah. pretend oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Mrs. Chan is like she's trying to uh she's uh, she asked her husband uh you know, like whether he is um you know, whether he is uh he's having like, an affair. Yeah. And then it cuts and then you suddenly see uh Mr. Chow in his place and then you realize they were like role playing. And so he just sort of uses these visuals just to like confuse us for a small moments or sort of make us realize like how lonely they are in general yeah and i think you point out that i think both of them suffer from like not knowing their own self-worth and always being questioned like you know am i good enough i think that is what dooms their like relationship as well too like when they get when both and having to favor each other the reason why they break up at the end is because they don't think that they're worth the other person's you know time i think that scene is beautiful because at that point it has sort of like two functions um and one function is that it tells us the audience that you know they both are actually falling in love but the other function is to sort of show that there it's this affair of between them that is sort of a fantasy i mean in the first place they're role playing this affair they're not being themselves so they're behaving in the exact way that their spouses would like them uh-huh that's what's often pointed out when in many uh analysis of this movie so they're sort of ro- role playing each other so that you know in the way that each other would what am i saying wait <laughs> okay uh <laughs> let me read it that bit what many people say is that they're sort of role playing in the sense that they want the other person to like them so they're not behaving truly as themselves they're behaving in the way that the other person would care for them. So they never they were never true in the first place. So which is why I feel like this affair is a complete fantasy of sorts and it's never real from the beginning. So when it's real when they try to like confess their feelings, I feel like it's the first time they sort of realize how much they've fallen in love with each other. But they just can never get themselves to really accept that because of, you know, society and a lot of other things as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh I think that, that the idea of like like fantasy is definitely a part of the movie. Like it the the whole like relationship is based off that aspect. And uh what do you think about the aspect where, you know, they sort of never really try and confront their spouses because you never see them doing that and then they they sort of like decide to work together on this uh martial arts serial that Mr. Chow is writing instead. Like they never really confront what they're supposed to and rather like sort of push away the responsibility 
and the guilt that they feel. Yeah, I think that goes back to uh, the idea of like low self worth. You pointed earlier. I, I don't think they have like the will to like you know confront their spouses about it. Because like, do you feel like is it because of uh, you know the lack of uh, importance that they feel throughout their lives, or is it just I, like, yeah, I think so. Or because you know the way I felt it was that they're just sort of ignoring their responsibility, and it's this they're getting into this very dangerous idea where it becomes like, although it began by like them trying to figure out how their spouses would have fallen in love with each other, uh-huh. like would have had their affair. It just ends up becoming like this sort of uh, addiction that is manufactured between the two. It's a very weird thing to say. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if I can really call it an addiction of sorts, but it's like this trap that you're falling into and you, you don't know when to get out. And so when, one of them finally confesses to the other that they love each other. Uh, they're uh-huh. unable to handle the truth, like being presented with it. And I thought that that made it, that made the movie like much more powerful, you know, and what it is trying to convey. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and also, I think if you want to talk about the music in this movie, because mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting. You don't like it. Uh, obviously, the this yeah, the violin piece that comes up a few times, uh, which is just like perfect for the movie. Like it's, it's very melancholy and sad. Yeah. It just fits the tone of the movie perfectly. And then you have Spanish songs too. Yeah. That's like a more in the second half. Yeah. You, so you have like period piece songs from the sixties and I think some of them in, in, are like in, uh, Cantonese and Chinese and Japanese, but some of them are also in like, like Spanish. I wasn't sure like what the purpose of like the Spanish ballads were because I wasn't, I mean, I was trying to understand what they were saying. And uh-huh. the only word I understood was uh, Desperado. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, I, I think the main, the main one is like, uh, quizás, which means like maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it just plays into the fact of uncertainness and that comes at the end. That song is played like, I think a few times at the ending of the movie. So yeah. when they're like, like going the separate ways. But also in the beginning, then they use uh, the violin piece that you were talking about, Yumeji's theme, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that piece, I mean, the thing is that I felt it's sort of like slowed down time, right? Because that's what yeah. the mon- it's used for. So the music the is montages, never really used. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only used in the montages and never anywhere else too much in the movie. So they he often like slows uh, it's like it's all happening in slow motion, right? I yeah, think the slow mo walks. Yeah, I think the one is the best one, like the most memorable one, is the one where uh, he walks down to get noodles. You know, and she's walking up, and they meet, right? Yeah, that one, like yeah, on yeah. the stairs. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like they know each other, and they're like meeting each other, but you know, at that point, there's no closeness between them other than the fact that they're neighbors. Like they just sort of help each other out on like a daily basis. But, yeah, and then I think that scene comes again later on in the movie too. Exact same scene, exact same like gestures. But I think since given the like the stuff that's happened between those two instances, you 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 feel differently when that scene is played again. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, I mean, the the first montage like where they're all meeting and for dinner and stuff, and that's sort of like to just like fast forward the time like between. 1962 and 1963 
you know? Like that one-year gap, we often see these cuts and it like fades to black and then it comes back up, right? Yeah. So, so the director uh, is using these cuts, you know, to sort of signify like the passage of time, but we just never know how much has really passed. And uh, I think that's why they show the clock, you know, the clock in uh, Mrs. Chan's uh, workplace where she mm -hmm. works as a secretary for a boss. Uh, there's this giant clock, right? And it's always like ticking from like 12 to back to 12 again. So it's like, you know, how many moments left before they meet and this affair sort of begins. And then the clock keeps ticking again throughout their affair. And then, you know, it's, it's like a symbol basically, you know, like of how long their affair will last, how long will like this doomed romance last. And yeah, uh, eventually yeah. it does come to an end, you know, after they move places. So, and... and I think just the way it's shot too. I don't know the film itself. Like the way it's like the cause of the film felt like a Hitchcock movie. If that makes sense. Like yeah, it, it, it felt like a '60s movie. Like something shot in the '60s. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's of course that's there. And uh, also, since you say that, uh, Wong Kar Wai mentioned that Vertigo was like a huge influence. Yeah, right? yeah, I can and, definitely see that. Yeah, the yeah. colors and the yeah because. He, I think he sort of used the color palette where like red is for passion and like green and blue are like for guilt and yellow is like for more for like happiness or like joy, I believe. Yeah. Because, no, I, I can see that in the film. Definitely. Yeah. It might be, I think it's for positivity. So, I mean, you rarely see the yellow, but you see the reds, especially like when they're having like dinner, the noodles together, like mm -hmm. that scene, like where they're sort of like, everyone's on like the corridor of sorts. So they just sort of like find their own space. Um, that's all red. And then the hotel where they meet for that night, you know, to write the serials and stuff. Yeah. Like as a part of like imagining their spouse's affair, like how it would have gone. So there's a lot of red in the film and uh, the green really comes in. Actually, the green comes in in that radio message. I don't know if you recall, but uh, there's this radio message where like they say, um, Mr. Chan wants to wish his wife a happy birthday and all that. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then they use green there, uh, and they sort of, like, you know, pan. They don't pan, really. They just sort of, like, slide the camera from one side to the other to show how both of these people feel. And since everything is in green, it's like they're feeling guilt because uh, they're not completely sure whether their spouse are having an affair. Again, they're just, like, making assumptions here and there. Uh -huh. For all you know, like, it might not even actually be happening, and they're just sort of it just sort of mirrors this that will they, won't they scenario of like, you know, whether, are they the bad people or are they doing, are they doing bad things because they were already hurt, you know? Yeah. Because if you really think about it, like if their spouses were actually not having an affair, I mean, it's sort of like implied for the most part that they are, uh -huh. but in taking the, considering the possibility that they were not having an affair, that brings uh, their whole the whole relationship that we see that makes them that makes them the bad guys essentially, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because so I thought that was very interesting because at the core they seem like very uh, sympathetic people who you begin to care about over the course of you know the one hour and thirty minutes, but you know, uh, and in re in reality, whatever they're doing is pretty much terrible, you know. I mean, that's true, yeah. And Even though they're not, like, actually sleeping together, it's still implied that, you know. Yeah, so yeah, about Mr. Chan, and... Yeah, I kind of forgot what I was going to say about the husband, but you, but you wanted to mention something? 
Yeah, I was gonna say it looks like Blade Runner. Like the look of it. Wait, and like what aspect specifically? Because like Blade Runner is like completely blue and dark and. No, I'm saying the. Oh, okay, that's what I said. The lighting, the lighting in this movie. Like the backgrounds are dark and the foregrounds are light. Oh yeah, because like there are a lot of dark shadows and it's sort of like it's very noir. Yeah, I w- I don't know if I would say noir because noir is like a completely different thing. It's like you have like hard lighting and you know the shadows are very prominent. And here it's more of like everything is muted. It's like everything is presented to you, but then it's covered in a blanket. You know, sort of like being hidden. That's yeah, the way I, I would mm-hmm. sort of describe the feeling that it gives. You know, uh, in terms of like the set design and. The way yeah, I think on on the subject of set design too, the sets itself are very like meticulously like created. Like the low, like the apartments and the streets looked lived in. What do you think about the design for the window where like uh, Mr. Chow works? The window? I, yeah, like I thought that was I thought it looked really good. Like there's this shot, right? It's like this oval like window. And oh yeah yeah he's like in front of a rack of something yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i thought that, yeah, was- that, that that was a beautiful scene yeah i think it's, it's like lit just him background is dark and you have this like almost a wall framing around him yeah and there are like multiple scenes like that where people are just like in with on in the door frame or like in the window frame and it's all like really pleasing to look at i mean it's not like symmetrical like wes anderson style but it's yeah. Uh, also, it's, the temple shot at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, those are great. Yeah, I think that's just it's, it's not like about the story itself. It just like added like visuals, but it definitely like makes it adds a good touch to it. And it also have some like uh, newsreels in it too. Some king, I believe. Um. Yeah, that was like the one thing that sort of took me out of the movie. I think it's just more, it's his attempt to be like sort of political about like the turmoil, I guess. Uh-huh. And I wasn't really sure, like I didn't, I didn't try finding out like what the significance was of the footage because, you know, inserting the documentary footage into this was like, it just threw me out of the movie like completely. I and think then, it was Cambodia, right? Yes, Cam- was, it's Cambodia. So it's like... It's next to Vietnam and it's the 60s. Well, it isn't, it isn't like, it's not like the British, but it's like, they said General de Gaulle. It's the French. Yeah, the French, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's related to the Vietnam War. Really? Yeah, because 66 I, French were in Cambodia. I think they're fighting the Vietnam. I doubt it. I mean, there was a, well, there was a civil war at the time in Cambodia, but, you know, it was more of between the, well, it was like a proxy war of sorts. It isn't. So I'm looking at this right now, and it says like it's sort of a proxy war between like the Viet Cong and the United States and South Vietnam. Yeah, so, it, was, it was an extension of the Vietnam War in Cambodia, I think. But I think it's ironic that at this point of time, he's sort of find, finally finding peace at like the temple, like Angkor uh-huh. Wat, right? And, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and he just follows like what he sort of said like 20 minutes ago in the movie, which was, uh, you know, he tells a secret in a hole. And then he just covers it with mud or like, you know, grass. And that's what you finally see. Like, you don't, I mean, you don't know what he confesses, but you know, it's probably about like the fact that he was never able to really fall in love, like truly spend time with uh, Mrs. Chan. And I think that's another interesting thing that the movie really talks about is that, you know, that you may fall in love with someone 
even after you settle down? Uh-huh. I mean, of course, there are other factors like the fact that they suspect their spouses of infidelity, both of them. But, you know, I think it's a very interesting point that is brought up because is there, because according to the human mind, it's like, you know, like the way society is structured is like, you know, you grow up, you study, you uh, pursue an occupation of sorts, and then you like settle down, find the one for you. And yeah, then, I think on, on that point, like Mr. Chow, his feelings for uh, Mrs. Chan, it never like, there's not a singular moment in the movie where you see him falling in love for her. And he mentions it creeped in over time. And I think that's, I guess, it's nice to see like that type of angle too. Because usually in Hollywood movies, you have like one scene where the main characters meet and instantly they're in love. But I think this one, it approached it differently. And I think it's more realistic too. Well, the thing is that it's not overly sentimental and, you know, it takes its yeah. time to really mm-hmm. establish uh, how these characters are really are before they sort of, fall into this you know affair of sorts but i think you know coming coming back to the secret that he says in the temple it's like this unfinished desire that keeps uh, that he will probably linger on forever because when i think when he says it uh, at the temple it's sort of a memory from then on like he can never go past it and that's what like the they're like a couple of like i don't know if they can call like stanzas of like a poem or something it's more like, I don't know if it's like haiku either, but... At the end? Yeah. Like, there are those, yeah, like, yeah. verses, mm-hmm. right? He talks about, like, about time being, like, unfinished and, like, everything is gone. And the pa- I think one line was that, you know, the past is something he can only see, but, you know, he cannot touch. So it's that feeling of, like, that he will never be able to uh, get back with her again, you know, after it's sort of end their affair around one hour into the movie. So it's like whether you know, whether all this was even worth it at the start, like, you know, I mean, it all started from a, a context of like, you know, trying to understand why their spouses would leave them. And it uh-huh. eventually results in, it takes a completely different direction. And at the end, they both, uh, at least he does feel unsatisfied. I don't know about her because she sort of has a son and, you know, kind of goes on with life uh, back in Hong Kong. But, you know, they, there are two chances where they happen, to, they could have met, but they just don't. So it's like maybe at the at some points, you know, you control your life and fate kind of take fate like takes over. So yeah. You have anything else to add? Yeah, so I think the production of this movie is kinda of interesting. Uh the director put a lot of emphasis on recreating nineteen sixties Hong Kong. So uh, like since the city has changed so much since in the sixties, yeah, like he had to go back and recreate how it was in his childhood. And he put a lot of effort, and so did the cinematographer, put a lot of effort into like, creating the sense of 1960s Hong Kong. And I believe this movie started production in the 90s, right? Yeah, it's, it took some, took some time for it to get like, to its final stage. And it was, I think it started something else, I think, happy together, right? Yeah, the thing is yeah. that he was making, he made Chunking Express and that was really popular. And uh, Happy Together was another film he made like three years before uh, In the Mood for Love uh, because it won him Best Director at Cannes. Mm-hmm. And so he had like all this critical acclaim, but he never really had a script. Like, I think he's very spontaneous with his filmmaking. Sort of yeah, that's what I've read too. Like, he, he uh, in between 
takes, uh, doing takes, he'll just change the whole script and go in a completely different direction or start a whole new story. So I think he definitely changes. He's very like he doesn't like plot out every single thing before he shoots. He just shoots, and then as he goes, he develops the story as as it, as it comes to him. Yeah, because he shot a sequel to this called uh, Twenty Forty Six. Uh-huh. And that's sort of set in that time period. And y- you can also see it being referenced in, in the mood for love because the hotel number is also 2046. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But he basically shot a lot of parts and then he reshot them later. And uh, the parts that he shot before and, you know, kind of like reshot were all, uh, I think they're a part of 2046 now. So he he's sort of like, I feel like he's someone who would probably shoot like 200, 300 minutes of footage and then he would trim the trim it down to like 90 minutes. And he like, make something beautiful and poetic out of it. Yeah. It's not a long movie. It's an hour and 30, right? It's pretty short. Yeah. And you so. also mentioned earlier that, you know, it's, you, saw, you saw the movie as being, you know, a series of interconnected stories and the main one being, being the relationship between the two main characters and everything else sort of like supplements it, right? Yeah. Because it does have kind of like, not random, but like supplementary shots that you wouldn't like necessarily see in like a traditional movie but they're added in to supplements right it's like the newsreels and then the the, the temple shots and even some of the even like the walking stairway shots so stuff that you want like are not generally included in most cinema but he takes the time to like, shoot stuff that's separate from the movie it's like the main plot itself but also intertwined into a story yeah that that's the thing about it because i mean when I when I first went into the movie, like it was known for being this like critically acclaimed story about like love and like uh, the lack of it and how one can feel hurt. I mean, there's like how one sort of like chooses to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. Like this is a r- very different way in which they try to heal themselves because you know healing often when you s- sort of like try to heal your feelings, you try to like uh, push away everything related to it. So, like, for example, like, let's talk about the movie specifically because I feel like uh, you might not understand immediately what I'm trying to say. So you have this relationship, right? Rather than, like, trying to push everything that sort of made the affair in between their spouses begin in the first place, they sort of take the different approach of, like, trying to understand why it happened in the first place, right? So automatically when you do that, I feel like you're subjecting yourself to that pain immediately for no reason whatsoever, even though... um, it's something that could easily be figured out by just saying like, by actually confronting your spouse, right? Yeah. But instead, you know, they sort of take this, you know, prolonged process of uh, trying to figure out how their spouses would act with each other. And, you know, it just ends up being this, um, what do you say? I mean, in some ways it's a kind of a stupid way, but also at the same time, you sort of, (laughs) I mean, it is, it is kind of stupid, but at the same time, you cannot, you cannot help but realize like why they're doing it because it's something that, you know, when you don't understand why something happened in the first place, your immediate thing is to like sort of understand where it went wrong and, you know, like sort of investigate that. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And in that sense, it's very relatable in that way. But outside of that aspect, you know, like from a third person's perspective, it is a little, you know, like why, why would you do it in the first place? Like, wouldn't it be easier yeah, the think, healthier way is to heal. Yeah, the hel- yeah, exactly, the healthier <laughs> way. But I think it comes to, like, the moral decisions that both characters, like, chose in the first place. And, you know, I think um, 
I think there are people who would probably go with a healthier approach and there are people uh, who wouldn't. But also at the same time, you know, like I can't help but feel pain for the, both of them because even if they choose to take the healthier approach, um, I feel like, the, you know, this is a very conservative society that they're living in. And, you know, you're very much aware of that throughout the movie. So I feel like that's another reason why they might have not taken the approach of like immediately confronting them. Because yeah, definitely. I think yeah, I think living in the '60s Hong Kong is definitely pretty conservative. Yeah, and yeah. and the moment you confront and like if this is really true and it's figured out, you know, either way, it's gonna make for gossip, and as a result, you are drawing attention, which is what they try to work against, right? Both Mrs. Chan and Mr. Chow, they both try their level best to like push away all the attention that they get uh, throughout the movie. And uh-huh. that's why they even meet in the hotel. That's why they sort of like exchange these like small glances. And, you know, like use, by using like um, a slow frame rate and you like slow motion, uh, Wong Kar Wai really emphasizes, you know, the relationship between them. But it's like, it's like this, something that it feels like something that's completely forbidden, right? Which is how it's supposed to feel. But, you know, as the audience, you, f- you wonder like why it isn't this way because the way it's presented, it's like as if, I mean, they're, what they're doing is terrible, but the way it's presented, it's like, you know, they're doing this for a reason, like, you know. Yeah, you feel for, bad for them, honestly. Yeah, because it's like, you know, some, they, there's like the saying, right? Like, if you, it's okay to say a lie in order to, like, get to the truth. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's sort of the thing that's going on over here. And so it's this, like, moral dilemma that the audience now faces. So it ultimately like goes into like two different pathways and then, you know, just keeps spreading even more and more and like, you know, eventually blossoms into something that, you know, that can be controlled and it just has to be ended and then you never be looked back again. I think they could have like continued their relationship if they wanted to, but they're capable of doing that, if that makes sense. I mean, the, the setting itself was there, the love was there, but as people, they weren't ready to take the next step. Well, I mean, it would be weird for them to like end up being married to each other. I mean, of course, they would have to move out, and I, I don't think that would be much of a problem, considering what eventually happens in the story. But you know, um, I'm not sure. Like, wait, in what way do you mean that they could have been together, but they choose not to be? Like, if you think about it, like, because you know, the love between them is there. It's mentioned in the film. Yeah, uh, and also the setting and like proximity to each other is also there. I mean, not the end. Yeah, the end is very definite. Yeah, so I think in addition to that, I think the the film is in a way based around the idea of like longing, and the characters longing for something else and for like at least something in their lives. I think in the beginning it's like a stable house and like just the transition period from moving in. And it slowly moves into, you know, uh, longing for companionship. Because you see, like, in the beginning of the film, that the two main characters are very lonely. And they just kind of by themselves. And it's even pointed out, like, with some of the uh, side characters, like, like their husbands and their, like, their spouses are never home. So I think the idea of, like, longing for something else is definitely a key factor in this movie. And it helps drive the plot forward. Yeah, and I think this longing is a reason why uh, it's so nuanced in its depiction of uh, how how the love sort of blossoms between them because mm-hmm. it's very subtle. Like again, I said, like the way they look at each other, and you know, um, 
I think there's this one scene where like she overhears how like he's sick. Uh-huh. Mr. Chow is sick and like he longs for sesame syrup. And so like she makes sesame syrup specifically for him. And that's yeah, like one of the yeah. few times where you sort of realize that she's not doing it like as a part of their affair, like as a part of like understanding how their spouses came to have an affair, but now uh-huh. it's like an affair between them. So the movie sort of like juggles that it's like, will they, won't they, are they really an affair? Or are they just pretending to explore? Or are they really exploring? And this is one of those times where like they just don't explore and she just decides to sort of, um, you know, help him out. And then he, he, and then she passes it off as a coincidence, right? Like when he mm-hmm. comes and thanks her for it because she was like, oh, I was making it for myself. And then, you know, and so like with food and like, you know, again, with like the tie and the handbag, do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Because like he talks about like how the tie is similar to the husband that, hus- the husband's and like the handbag is similar to that of the wife's. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, also in addition to that like in the hotel like the the camera like doesn't linger over there so you just don't know if they really like consummated their affair or not and, like those kind of things it like keeps stuff hidden and shows stuff that's necessary to make us think whether it's in one way or the other yeah i think on that point too like, intimacy isn't shown it's shown through small actions, if that makes sense. Like it's shown through, you know, walking past each other, walking with each other, or buying noodles, or uh, you know, just talking, which by themselves feel like normal day-to-day activities. But in the context of these of this film, it feels very intimate and like romantically charged, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like he's able, the director is able to like transcend what these small actions mean to the characters and make them into something much more larger and have more purpose than just in small interactions. Yeah. And I think in that sense, it becomes like very powerful in its depiction of like this game. It's like, it's like not an affair anymore. It's like this game between the two. Mm-hmm. But it's a game where they both lose in the end. You know? Yeah, because if you think about it, there's no like actual like physical like contact or like, you know, kissing or hugging there's none of that yeah that what you know that usually like, romantic films have it has none of that yeah it's very pg <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's very like pg and like mellowed down but it's so intense and it's like depiction of love that it transcends those physical like you know gestures if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah but that's a thing it's just so tragic and melancholy but at the same time you know the camera work is so minimalistic but also stylistic i think that's something that's really hard to pull off you know yeah like Mm -hmm. a sense of style um and i mean he often does this by with the montages and like you know slowing down the frame rate like the scene where like he leaves her like after Uh he confesses his love for mrs chan like um so we we just the camera moves to mrs chan and you know it's it's like i think it might be like half the frame rate maybe so mm-hmm. it's it feels a little more slowed down, but at that sense, it's like you know they've sort of lost all sense of time and like you know the clock. Of course, it's constantly like in the foreground of like the scene, you know, at like her workplace, and like all that yeah, like, sort of yeah. comes to an end. And then after that, there's still twenty minutes left. That's sort of like not twenty minutes. I'll probably say fifteen. That's sort of like an epilogue, like the way they meet in Singapore. Like they could have met in Singapore and then back in Hong Kong again, uh-huh. and so. I feel like it. Just, this is like a section 
um, how do I say it? Like their entire affair was just like a small section in the lives of those people around over there. Like it's just like saying it's like one chapter, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, because I think afterwards they kind of move on, right? Yeah, and they come close to like seeing each other again. The like they miss each other by a few minutes stuff, but there's it's now like it just goes to the hope of rekindling this like relationship is like it's not gonna happen. Yeah, and I think that's the point like that romance is you know i mean whatever you think is a possibility and like a romance is probably not it's not going to play out that way exactly yeah and i think uh it's just sort of like a tease in a sense how do i say i don't know if tease is the right word but you know it just sort of like teases you with all these things right and then it's it possibilities shows, yeah, yeah and it shows you one thing and it proceeds to another and you're just like flip-flopping between the two. And then you just don't know which is real and what's not. And then whether uh, their feelings are really for each other or are they not for each other. Uh-huh. And, like, and, and like in the end, the whole thing doesn't even happen. So you might question like why in the first place. But I think just to show like how indecisive humans can be at times. And yeah. And also, also the complexity of love is out too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not cut and dry. There's no like happy ending. There's no like he's the one for me type of thing. Yeah, no, this goes, like, a lot more beyond that. So yeah. I think so definitely, would, definitely, I think like, unfair, to complex. Yeah, huh? I, think it'll be, I think it'll be an unfair comparison to, like, you know, to, you know, like, compare, like, those kinds of movies with this because this really delves deep more than, just, more than just into love. It's, like, also about how you choose to make decisions, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How humans are, what humans are, like, capable of, like, how they manage to put themselves in, like, so much pain. And, yeah. Like uh, how they choose to explore it. So, yeah, a lot of things, and uh, there's probably a lot more to talk about that I didn't mention as well. Maybe some things I might catch on like a second watch, uh-huh. things like that. I mean, I'm I'm talking more so about the themes, but I feel like, you know, maybe maybe I should like, yeah, I I need to rewatch this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this definitely like has a lot of things going for it, and uh, yeah, I really liked it. So, do you just want to move to like? ratings and final thoughts yeah uh well this one i'll give it a five out of five nice yeah yeah no it definitely was yeah i'll give it, it a four and a half uh-huh. sure sure you were saying something no i think it's definitely a good and a good way to end this podcast yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah uh, getting to that of course yeah so um i would give this a four and a half out of five i really liked it chunking express is also on my watch list so i'm definitely looking forward to watching that as well but i really like this and i think chunking express is like a kind of a different movie of sorts mm-hmm. i mean this one's more poetic and you know that one um it's like a series of interconnected stories and it's about like police officers and stuff so it's a little different i guess but i really like this one so i'm kind of excited for what else he's made and yeah he's also making that uh tv series called blossom which is also like supposed oh. to be a sequel to this like sequel to 2046 actually uh-huh. yeah yeah we were discussing it earlier in the last episode and uh, i think it's like a tv series of sorts there was like a actually as we were talking about it, i was scrolling through reddit and then i saw like a poster for it uh-huh so it looked it, it didn't show much but it looked interesting it looked a lot more stylish though than like this one like this one is very simplistic yeah it's very this one is very minimalistic yeah definitely 
So yeah, coming back to it, four and a half out of five. And like you were saying earlier, uh, to be a good uh, movie to <laughs> podcast on. Yeah, the thing is that we'll be going on an indefinite leave of sorts, and then we'll come back with a series of episodes. So you can consider this like season one and this episode being the end of that. So yeah. And uh, do you want to do the outro? Like our links are in the description. Yeah, links are in the description. Uh, follow us on social media. Yeah. And yes. until next time. Yeah, until yes. next time. So yeah, that's the end of this podcast for now, at least. So bye.